Hi, and welcome to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. This is a podcast dedicated to everything sci-fi, be it film, television, books, video games. We'll talk about it, we'll dissect it, and tell you what we think about it. Welcome to episode three of Sci-Fi Cross-Sections. I'm Colin. I'm Jason. I'm Mark. I'm Ben. Guys, we were going to do that thing, remember? (laughs) (laughs) This is Eric. And Matt. I'm really right. mad we didn't do that thing. <laughs> it's, it's a thing. We'll do it I'm next sorry, time. Ben. We were going to do a thing, but we can't because it was about to so, We'll do it next time, but with something different. Was this... the thing suspense? Because if so. <laughs> you know, you've been wondering for years. If we had started this. at 8, we would have done the thing. Hey, you know, Ben, ben what was <laughs> that thing you wanted to do? Because you kept mentioning it. I don't even know what it is anymore. Um, so you lost the time. This episode is going to be dedicated to uh, the new sci fi show that came out, aired in December. Um, ran for 10 episodes. They instantly renewed it. Uh, next season will be 13 episodes. So this is, this is a damn good show. Yeah, really, so really good. I'm really excited to do this podcast. Uh, but first off, uh, there's a lot of exciting things going on in the news with sci-fi, so I, Seriously. I thought we'd give that a, a minute or two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, guys, so bear with me, because some of this is a little old since we were supposed to do this last week. <laughs> Um, it, 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 last week it was a We really were. Like, like, I don't know why you guys are acting like I'm making stuff up here. Like, <laughs> these are all valid things. That's the name of a skit right there. Last week it had a clock. <laughs> Alright, guys, so war has broken out in the servers of the hit sci fi MMO Eve Online. Mm. After a member alliance of the Imperium, formerly known as the CFC, failed to pay a bill on the, to the gambling website known as IWantISK.com. The Gamblers bankrolled numerous null and low-security alliances to come together into a group which is now known as the Money Badger Coalition and burn the Imperium to the ground in a war that is now being called World War B. I can't make this up. I can't. I can't. I, I, actually, I actually signed back up after this. After numerous, losses, after numerous losses, the Imperium's head alliance, Goon Swarm Alliance, has retreated to the capital system of decline and remained non-existent this is sci-fi, guys, and it's serious. This is niche. And to be non-existent in the war, leaving the Money Badgers to continue to claim victory after victory. To date, since the war has started, the Imperium has lost over 10,000 ships. That's it? That's a lot so far for no gigantic battles. Did anyone run the numbers on what that is in uh, uh, real-life money? Roughly 10,000 ships would probably be close to, like, nearly, like, tens of thousands of dollars for sure. Yeah. It's a little disturbing. <laughs> yeah. It's just a little bit. No uh, joke. There's like, a starving kid somewhere, and people Eve online happens. Yeah. <laughs> people make their money somehow. Yeah. That's true. Turns out there was going to be a Galaxy Quest 2. Yay. <laughs> but it's been canceled. Yeah. Despite obvious reasons of Alan Rickman's passing earlier this year, Sam Rockwell sat down on the Nerdist piece. podcast earlier last week and talked about why. <laughs> At 8 o'clock, <laughs> I think. He said, he said they were going to do a sequel on Amazon, and we were ready to sign up for And you know, Alan Rickman passed away, and Tim Allen wasn't available. He has a show, and everybody's show was all weird. We were going to do the sequel on Amazon. It was going to shoot, like, right now. I'm actually concerned for Sam Rockwell. It sounds like he's having a stroke in this interview. I, I, I can honestly say, I'm sorry, Sam Rockwell, if you listen to this, but you might be drinking. I would believe that. <laughs> this word-for-word quote. I'm not, like, I'm not lying here. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Bethesda released Fallout 4's second DLC, Wasteland Workshop, this week. 
The tiny little cute expansion runs for $4.99. If you don't have the season pass, which if you don't, what's wrong with you? And <laughs> allows true. you allows you to collect raiders, death claws, and more to pit them in your own Russell Crowe gladiator matches. No word yet if you will or will not be entertained. <laughs> that was straight reaction, bros. If you don't, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> reaction world. This is actually a reaction to the expanse. <laughs> and finally, oh, not finally, actually, and uh, just seriously, though, please hold your squeals, everyone. Because Lucasfilm dropped the Rogue One trailer on us, and it looks incredible. It does. I really do. Starring Felicity Jones, Mads Mikkelsen, Alan Tudyk, (laughs) and many more, Rogue One is the story of the rebel spies that band together on a daring mission to steal plans for the Empire's Death Star. Trailer shows Jones' character, Jin Erso, rebelling. A a stunning Mon Mothma (laughs) look-alike. You did like you, did, I'm sorry, did you lump Forrest Whitaker into many others? No. A stunning Mon Mothma lookalike, some crazy monk-looking dudes, our favorite left eye belonging to Forrest Whitaker, and at storming a goddamn beach. Let's just hope they can get those plans before anything bad happens, though. I, I don't know. I think it's going to fail. I don't think they got a shot. I, I have a feeling they'll get the plans, but it's still not going to stop whatever's coming. Right, that's what I'm feeling like. I don't know. I feel like at least one planet will probably get destroyed. Let's just... I'm just waiting to see where Boba Fett fits into this. <laughs> Everywhere. Well, did you see in the trailer the, the slot that the, they're rolling the satellite dish in? That's probably where he fits. <laughs> He's no good to me, Dad. Dude, that's a, that's a radar dish. <laughs> It doesn't die. <laughs> Rumors are circling around the internet that the new... Alright, Colin, this sounds like a mess. I'm terrified for you for your Star Trek. Yeah. That the new yet unnamed Star Trek series airing this January is going to be set in the pre-J.J. Abrams universe. Uh-oh. <laughs> Further rumors suggest that it will be anthology-based. Uh-oh. Each season will feature a different crew what? on a different ship, none of which will be the Enterprise. Uh-oh! <laughs> Supposedly it will jump around the timeline. Your uh-oh From slashfilm.com. Are bothering me. Well, it just sounds like a terrible no, idea. I honestly think I, it's the healthy thing Star Trek needs right now. Maybe not yeah. the Enterprise, well, but honestly, I mean, setting it within J.J. Abrams' universe is... No, no, it's idea. not in... J- it's pre-J.J. Abrams. Oh, so they're saying, like, it's in the Star original Trek. canon. I don't know why I phrased it like that. I uh, just did. But no. J.J. J. J. Abrams' universe started with... Kirk being a little kid. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Alright, Mark, Mark, just go home. <laughs> Wait, you are home. <laughs> Alright. So, I mean, do you guys have anything to add to that? I think it's a great idea. I think it is. I think having them jumping from crew to crew will keep it fresh and mm-hmm. give you a different perspective. We always have, like, some larger-than-life captain that the whole thing focuses around. This allows you to see the other people in the fleet. Not like the figure. True, true. The onus then now is on the writers to really create a compelling story from season to season. That's because you're only giving them one season to tell this story. So if it's kind of subpar, then it's like, oh, that season kind of sucked, you know? Some of the most compelling Star Trek stories were... uh, uh, I forgot his name. Damn it. Well, he wrote... uh, he wrote a couple of the uh, the Kirk Star Trek movies, like Search for Spock and Journey Home and probably Wrath of Khan, too. Mm. Those were good stories. And I think he directed uh, Search for Spock or something. He's one of the writers on this show. 
mm-hmm. as well as one of the guys who wrote on Deep Space Nine and Voyager. So they got Voyager they got a it. lot of good people writing for this, but they they have to bring it into like the new age of television. We can't just watch twenty four episodes of guys in spandex. So I don't think it should be twenty four episodes anyway. It should be thirteen. <laughs> as much television should be nowadays. No, I honestly <clears throat> think it's going probably run for like 10 or 13 episodes. Way on that one. Okay, what do we got next, Ben? A uh, new sci-fi film, Deeper, that sounds like a porno title, starring Bradley <laughs> Cooper, written by Max Landis, who wrote Chronicle of American Ultra, about a disgraced astronaut who is tasked with exploring a new ocean trench. So you can't do space, so you do the ocean. Sounds good, buddy. Gravity. Ed Harris did it 20 years ago. <laughs> Supposedly the deepest name checks out. Still sounds like a porno. Landis also has another movie that was picked up by Netflix, Bright. That comes from Cinema Blend. God, I can't let you type these anymore. You actually misread. It is a porno. It's, uh, it's, well, it's starring, Max Landis. It's so. starring Bradley Pooper. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> oh, God. Can I just say that? I love Max Landis, first of all, so I'm super excited no, about this. Like, I didn't Max hear anything Landis about it. Max Landis is so good that like companies literally fight over his scripts. I, well, you know who his dad is. His dad's uh, uh, something uh, Landis. Something Landis. But he's he's a big. He's, you don't know who his dad is. He's a he's a Hollywood screenwriter. Max Landis got born right. in, born into the industry. But clearly, and his dad his his dad and him don't get along. Apparently, right. apparently, because his dad produced Chronicle, and so his dad wanted to go one way with the sequel, and Max, who wrote Chronicle, was like, "No, I want to do it this way." The writing and so it was this, brilliant. and so his dad was going around going like, "Oh yeah, this is what we're doing for the sequel." And Max Landis is like, no, we're not. Stop it, Dad. Did, so did he leave the Chronicle franchise? It's, it's dead. On? It's dead in the water. Probably for the best. Mm. Dad, no. It was a great standalone. Great, great standalone. Uh, finally, 12 Monkeys Season 2 is set to air, and the showrunner Terry Metalis says the show really finds itself in Season 2. He also said they plan to do several seasons. No confirmation on renewals past two. But it's nice to have a show about time travel that doesn't involve a police box or Scott Bakula. I agree, especially about the police box. Because for everyone that's listening right now, we will don't never do an episode on Doctor Who. Don't you dare. We will never do an episode on Doctor Who or I will quit this podcast. Ben, ben will never do an episode on Doctor Who. <laughs> Doctor Who is awful and the creator is awful. There we go. Not the creator, the new the new writer. Sorry, the new writer, dude. He sucks. Uh, whatever his name is. I don't even know his name. Talking about Moffat. Stephen Moffat, yeah. yeah. Moffat. Okay, I will say he awful def- human being. Moffat's actually a really good writer. No, yeah. he's not, and he's an awful human being. I like him in certain aspects. Okay, okay, we're getting off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, this isn't uh, written in the news, but we need to make okay, some special mo- special mention because Friday, uh, SpaceX officially landed their Falcon 9 you stage talk 1 about shuttle, that all you want. Which was that damn is, impressive. That was amazing. Incredible. And huge, huge, huge feat. For bringing the sci-fi era to the sci era, I think we're, no more no more fi involved. <laughs> I think we're honestly living in that already, though. It's it's really like it means so much for so many things. Obviously, we're still like centuries off from true, you know, space travel. Will, but I don't think so. We'll all be dead when it happens. No, I won't be. Not as much time will have passed from when we died to when it'll happen. And that That's really feel, true. Do you that count, makes me feel good. But count, I won't die. Do you count cryogenically frozen as dead? I always, what about what about immortal viruses filling me with superpowers and making me become a super villain, but walking amongst everyone else normally? Well, there's one word you're not allowed to say on this podcast is literally super. 
Sorry. So. <laughs> I mean, people become oh, super. Oh, no. I was going to use that concept. I was like, The Expanse was super. <laughs> Joe Miller's a super cool Super detective. good. It's super all awesome. The point is, if you, guys, if you guys don't know Falcon 9 and the landing that SpaceX has, has completed, oh, yeah, read up into that. Look That's it up. Stuff. It's incredible. Look up the, the actual like SpaceX broadcast. The, that yeah, the doing. video for um, their reaction. crying. For their reaction. crying. You got the USA chants in the <laughs> background. Like, it's true, like, all American well, space I travel. I know a couple people that work finest. for SpaceX, and they firmly believe in what they're doing. Like, they're into it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Elon Musk is, is you, the Tony you, Stark of you our, could, of our Yeah, lives. you could sense the enthusiasm just in that whole broadcast they did. Like, everyone was totally behind it and they were super yeah. excited and that was that came across because i was excited by the end of that i was like you working know, floored. For, and working for spacex you know it's not an easy gig it's it's not at all like you work 20 hour days it's it's not easy but these people work their asses off for for stuff and then something pays off like this and you see it in their eyes yeah, like well, it's paid they, off. Like yeah. it's just it's a it's a great feeling. They to have feel to go their through all the uh, all the failures. Are these? It's the, not the first time they tried this. Well, they, they, but even the last five times they tried it weren't failures. They right. Were, they they learn every time. They yeah. learn every time. Are the reason they was able to do it because they failed the last. Are five these times. the people trying to privatize space travel? Is that what this is? I'm. I'm no, 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 no. About Falcon this. Nine is the game that Captain Falcon came from. <laughs> People made a really good game and they were crying because it was so good. It's Elon Well, this is huge. Uh, space program. <laughs> this, to like get people into space and like yeah. space tours. This is huge because like, like every we're going to have Fred Johnson floating around in space. <laughs> <laughs> the butcher. Every time we make advancements in space travel and going to space is when the government is throwing out large amounts of money. Sure. To yeah. the research behind it, but this is not with the government. This is private. This is yeah. this is taking capitalism, using it to a useful. And front, it's not just that. Like I mean, he's world. giving us the Tesla. Elon Musk is the dude that wants to give Mars internet. Like, I mean, come on, uh-huh. yeah. guys, you credit Mars internet. <laughs> he wants to give Mars internet. Most importantly, he wants to make Mars not a one-way trip for people who go. Yes, which that's... is which is something that was evident in that Falcon Nine landing. So. News is over. Yeah. It's your show, boss. My show. Yeah, okay. I believe that when I see it. It, it is. Six of you. All right, so. It's a podcast. You hear it. Man. You don't see it. I can We're see here it. today to talk about The Expanse, obviously. Uh, just overall, let me get some quick opinions on what you guys thought about the show before we really get into it. Jason My name's Mark, Mark, and I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the bit! That was uh, the bit! <laughs> you did the thing! Well, you now did we can't do it next time. You did the thing. Blew it. <laughs> My name's Ben, and I love The Expanse. <laughs> Say your thing now. Say your thing now. Can I change my answer? Ah, you guys, uh, that was it. Uh, <laughs> uh, so The Expanse, um, in a nutshell, I was very surprised by the show. Uh, great sci-fi in a, an era where we haven't really had much great sci-fi like that. Uh, so I was quite surprised by it in a good way. Um, definitely more than lived up to any expectations that I did or didn't have. Uh, so I, I definitely enjoyed it and looking forward to the future of the series. Awesome. I agree. Mark? It was way more political than I was expecting. Yeah. In a good way. Um, there were a lot of moving like cogs going on. Uh, and they all fit together so well. The writing was fantastic. Actually, I was looking at... I saw one of the names on the... Uh, 
like the the writing list, and I looked it up because I thought I I thought I recognized the name. He wrote for two different uh, Star Trek series, as well as um, as well as oh shit, what's that? The other the other sci-fi show you go crazy for, uh, Farscape. He wrote for two. He wrote for Farscape, and he wrote for two other Star Trek. Why don't um, you take a look at this list, bud, and tell me who it is. And if it's not one of these guys, you were lying this whole time. <laughs> Shankar. It's Shankar. Who is it? Okay. Oh, actually, yeah, I recognize that name. Okay, so let's pull up him Even real quick. There he is. Okay, so Naren Shankar. <laughs> he is a Indian American writer and producer. So. Some of his most known things. Obviously, he's done like Star Trek: Next Generation. Oh, hey, he, he wrote for the Expanse. Farscape. That's why we're talking about him. What's that? He did Outer Limits. So this guy basically is what kept sci-fi alive. It's Papa Sci-Fi. Nineties. Yeah. He contributed. Outer Limits, man. That's yeah, taking me no, back. He's getting into it. Really is. Uh, he's also done like CSI, uh, Almost Human. Uh, he, he writes for you know the the smaller networks like he writes for Grimm. Uh, Hot damn! Almost Human was good. Wait, is it continuing right now? No, it got canceled. Well, really? that was Grimm was really first. good for a while. I, I didn't. Grimm's kinda, still on. I kind of petered off as, <coughs> like as time went on, but Almost it Human was solid until the end. When Almost Human starred Carl Urban and was about a police bot who Carl Urban picked out. He was a prototype bot. From back when they were trying human-looking police robots. And Carl Urban's like, I want that one. And they're like, he's broken. And he goes, but I'm a rebel, so I want the broken oh, one. yeah. Yeah. And so, like, this guy... But I'm from New Zealand, and I want the broken this one. Robot one. This robot comes out, and he's just like, like he, he's, he's broken because he desperately wants to know what it's like to be human. So he wants to feel... He wants to... He's basically data... In Star Trek, and he, but he's a police cop. He's a he's a, he's a police cop. <laughs> he's a police spot. He's literally a police says, cop. He's basically a police cop. He's a police cop. <laughs> and he's unlike he's unlike he's like unlike any of the other police spots on the show. It's it's great because they're all like they're all toned down versions. We're just like oh we are robots. So it's basically like iRobot. Yeah, but not really because like they're my, robots. Robots right. are like well, already a thing in that show. It's re- it's really good. If yeah. if you ever have some time, go check it out. If they were if they were androids instead of like so, very clear robot looking right. Asimov kind of deals. Uh Naren Shankar wrote episode four and he also took part in writing episode nine of the expanse. Pretty neat. They kind episode of, nine was really good. They split yeah. it up. They were all really good. Episode nine was the Julie Mao episode, if I recall, correct? Yes. Yeah, that was really um, good. So <clears throat> Ben, what were your overall thoughts of the expanse? Yeah, so when I tell people about The Expanse, I tell them it's basically Game of Thrones in space. Kind of. So, wow. Just not as many characters. Not as many characters. It's Which toned is, down quite a bit. A it's easier thing. to follow. Oh, yeah. Uh, at first, you know, it's it's hard to, to get your footing because they kind of toss you in. Right. And so you're like, you're struggling a little bit. I wasn't like putting off watching the show, but it was one of those things that was like low priority. And then we had a we had a day where we were like, all right, let's just watch the first episode. Let's watch a few episodes. Watched the first one, hooked, finished it in a week, and it, it was just so good, so good. Like everything about it, the 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 universe, the the world building, going as small the things like gravity torture, is like like who the hell thinks yeah. of that shit? 
who knows what people are going to be in space for for their whole lives. If they come to Earth, they're going to be like breaking. And it's like details in the well, show were phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you that Daniel part. Abraham and Ty Frank think of those things. Well, there you go. Those are the two authors of the book series, and they wrote for episode seven. But here's the, the thing. Here's the thing that got me the most. The best part of the expanse. Literally, I'm not lying. The best part of the expanse is that when you see New York, you see that there's a wall built up to accommodate I pointed for that the out. raised sea levels. Mm. Oh, yeah. it was such a best small part. detail, but it was so wonderful. Yeah. That was the moment I knew I loved that show. Now I'm going to disagree, and I'm going to say that the best part about the show is the fact that Thomas Jane has <laughs> specific scenes where he's not wearing shoes. They wrote it in there. He says, "Hey, I don't want to wear shoes," and I well, we could write it in. Okay. Anytime we're not <laughs> seeing Thomas Jane's feet, assume he's not wearing shoes. That's what I do. <laughs> they well, edited. We, they edited in the boot sounds as he's walking. Colin and I, <laughs> as we were watching, actually assumed that he was wearing shorts and like sandals with socks. Oh, probably. <laughs> you no, no, see. no, no, he hates socks though. He hates no socks. Straight up, straight up, Grand Moff Tarkin style. Just like. no, like dad sandals. <laughs> no, like I'm talking Birkenstocks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> From California, he's all over. Oh him. man, he was he was fantastic. I'm really what? happy with yeah, the casting Eric. of the show. Oh, Eddie, we continuing the circle. Oh, yeah. We're continuing the circle. Oh yeah, oh, boy. we skipped the TV. Now uh, we're going to you. Skip the TV. <laughs> Sorry, LG. Yo, he the LG. You know, legitimate uh, gangster. I actually, I think my favorite thing about the show, uh, my my my, the biggest impression I took from the show was the fact that. People are comparing it to things like Game of Thrones and Lost and these big plot shows. And yes, it, it shares traits with those, but what I really liked was that it allowed itself to be more focused and it allowed itself to, even though there's a lot going on, it allowed itself to be about the small things. Uh, one moment that really struck me was, oh god, we should have written out a character list. Uh, oh, well, the, just describe him. We no, got I, I got Bur- burly OPA guy. Uh, Amos. Oh, Amos. OPA. Thank you. Yeah. I no, no. OPA. Well, he's he with. He's, yeah. Um, the moment Wait, in right? like episode ten when he just shoots that guy in the back of the head, or you know. Oh yeah. yeah. No, he shot the guy that was uh, trying to mutiny the ship. Right. Yeah. 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 Little, little no. things oh, like yeah. that where they literally will still. They literally took like. There must have been 45 minutes of like cinematography and dialogue and everything that made you wonder if he was going to shoot that guy. You know, made you wonder what his allegiance was to the rest of the crew. Yeah. And then they were willing to commit that kind of time to such a small thing. He wasn't but part of the OPA. Really made no. You, no, no, no. He got corrected himself. But oh, it really okay. made you feel invested like in, uh, in certain aspects of the show. And I, so I, I really enjoyed that. That guy's name is Wes, Wes Catham. That yeah, plays Amos, they, and let me tell you, I was like on the fence at first, kind of same. weirded out by him. But let me tell you, he's one of my favorite characters in the show because you don't know what he's gonna do. Right. He yeah. says like the most messed up things, but totally casual. Like mm. it's so weird. Wes yeah. has definitely got that baby face too, which, big, really which bothered Pine. me a little big, bit. Big really Chris Pine. Big really Chris Pine. Big really Chris Pine. <laughs> Basically, except baby face here. Much definitely, most definitely baby, baby face here. here. He's got crazy eye. But I dig it. No, uh, he does say weird brainwashy things, like yeah. throughout the whole show. You're in the churn now. <laughs> yeah, you're in the churn. <laughs> that was a good. I used that for like a week after that episode. <laughs> he kept saying it to his cashier at work. Now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I loved, like I said, I love all the small details in the show that just kind of add to the universe. I didn't. I was noticing that a lot of the people that were belters had those like circular neck tattoos mm-hmm. <coughs> and I was seeing the trend 
And then I cannot remember his actual name in the show, but the guy who plays Lane Price in Mad Men. Um, I, who is that? I don't know who that is. He was <laughs> that gives me zero information. He, he Doss. was the OPA guy, the the really important. Okay, Fred yeah. Johnson. I got no, that. no Doss, the the like guy who's on uh, series. Oh, okay. He like tortured Thomas Jane's character. Yeah. Uh, okay, Miller. so that's Jared he Harris uh, playing the character Anderson Dawes. Yes. Who is, he's kind. Of, he seems like he's the head of the OPA almost. Is what yeah. It, yeah. It seems like. Uh, no, Fred Johnson seems like he's the head of the OPA. Well, uh, I Dawes man. seems to be like the figurehead. He's the one who like goes on TV and talks on a regular basis for the OPA. I think the OPA wants war, and I think that Fred Johnson doesn't want war. So. That's where oh, I largely disagree with that. I, I think really, most of oh, oh, yeah, I wanted Johnson's to finish what I was saying before I get sidetracked. Uh, and then he he talked about the the old helmets or whatever that uh, oh yeah that like burned that like scarred up their necks and everything. And um, and then I realized that was kind of like a symbolic tattoo. Uh, oh. You know, like what the belters <clears throat> went through. Before, and that's why you're on this podcast. Four things were regulated and built upon. <laughs> And their lives were improved, you know, step by step. Uh, it was like a show of what they're fighting for, you know. And and that's also, uh, I'm so bad at the character names, but the uh, the girl that's on the main crew, and she's she's got like the British accent and everything. Naomi. She's, she's yeah. the only one with the tattoo in their group, and she's the one that we find, you know, kind of allure. They they allude to her being. OPA, OPA. right? She knows a lot of little OPA secrets, and it, it's it's very clearly she's OPA, or at least or was. was OPA, and that's why she kind of hated right. Johnson and stuff. Yeah. Once we get around the circle, come back to me, and I'll tell you why the OPA sucks. How can you hate hate Frederick Lucius Johnson? You just <laughs> Fredalicious, Fredalicious Johnson. Fred-alicious Johnson. <laughs> I heard it when I was watching Did today, you? Yeah. and I heard what you're talking about. And I just, okay, I'm Fredalicious Johnson. Okay, no, yeah. no, we got to explain the Fredalicious thing really quickly because there's a point where it sounds like he says Fredalicious Johnson when his name is Fred Lucius Johnson. The, the scene Lucius. where he's reading the prompt, the prompter, yeah. and he he's like he just says his the name address. really fast. Right, and it, and it kind of mixes together, and it sounds like he just says Fredalicious. <laughs> <laughs> Go back and watch; hey, it. it's I'm worth Fre- it. I'm Fredalicious Johnson. Okay, your opinions, <laughs> my opinions on the show. I were them. mostly spoken by other people at this point, but the thing that blew me away was the small details. It was just the way they responded to the little things. Like, uh, I think one of my favorite examples was when uh, they're on the Martian ship, and and like a. Railgun shot just yeah. flies oh, through, and everybody immediately is like, "Okay, there are holes," and they just start hitting panels in the wall, and they grab like the like space cock gun thing, and like they all know the drill. Space cock. <laughs> well, no, because there's yeah. no shields in that. In the Ex- exactly, they just it's like, oh, this is this happened. We just got to fix it. Like they don't really freak out all that much, except for the fact that someone's head was blown up. You know. <laughs> Which, well, by the way, zero G blood going into G blood. The way it was like, awesome. the way it was pooling and then it spilled down. It was like it sucking was, in. Yeah. It was sucking out the hole, and yeah. then they put the panel up, and then it started splashed against the panel really quickly, and then started floating. It, was, it was so like, too, well it was done. Like pooling in that ball, just like because of physics. <laughs> to that end, too, it actually had read. An article on uh, io9, which I don't know if any of you guys checked that out, but it's like a sci-fi blog, a Gawker sci-fi blog. Um, It was actually interesting because they were discussing different 
different um, sci-fi shows, movies that use different you know science concepts and how accurate they got them. And they actually ranked The Expanse as like really high on the list of scientifically accurate. And I hadn't seen the show at that point when I read the article. It wasn't really spoilery, you know, it didn't really have anything that ruined anything for me, but actually some of the scenes where they showed, you know, like what would happen in a vacuum if, you know, your spacesuit, you know, developed like a crack in, you know, the, the visor or something like that. That's actually what would happen if you, you know, let your breath out and you opened it up, you know, you yeah. wouldn't freeze instantly or blow up or, you know, your you wouldn't have any crazy total like, recall stuff going on. You can <laughs> open it up and like pull loose wire out yeah. and then close it. Exactly. But which you allowed, could. Yeah. Which is great. And that was one of the things I noticed, you know, that they had several moments like that where, you know, the like you said, it was just so workmanlike, like they just, they deal with it. I think it was the first or second episode, the one guy gets his arm chopped off and it's just like, okay, let's, you know, whatever. Yeah, you, know, <laughs> you guys remember that? In the, yep. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. just first like, first okay, episode. you know, gotta do what you do. Yeah, first I mean, time we see the Canterbury. There was yeah. actually, because uh, I was reading the Wikipedia that uh, that writer that I was talking about earlier, and he graduated with a like high-level physics degree. Um, mm. So it's it's cool that like people can can kind of cross paths like that like bring elements of, of other, uh, you know, like other interests into yeah, like other fields. They're actually bringing science fields into writing right, science yeah. fiction, which well, is important in this day and age. You don't want to. I feel you like, don't want Neil deGrasse Tyson to go on a tweet marathon on. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that kind of plays into two, the other big thing that, for me anyway, really worked about the show and that I really appreciated was that it, it's a really good example of. You know, a show that's tending towards hard sci-fi now, as opposed to you know, it does have some you know fantasy elements and everything else, but the vast majority of what's actually happening and the different types of you know um, you know structures that they're building around planets and around moons and you know ships and everything else is all based in reality. Like that to me seemed like from watching the show, that's a reality that really could be something that's in our future. As, yeah. as we all are right now, you know, it's wouldn't like really take one much. advance from being able to do this. Stuff. Exactly. Yeah, like exactly. if we if we could like speed up travel enough to get to these places in time, this is what we could feasibly do. Yeah, yep. we're not right. looking at we're not you know in the era where we're you know two hundred megabytes or two hundred kilobytes of RAM are the size of like a desk. You know, it's we're way closer to this actually happening. So the writing is more accurate and people are more interested in stuff because they're closer to it. It's not mm-hmm. yeah. something far off. It's they still were... sci-fi, but it was very grounded yeah. in, you know. That's the thing, yeah. It's all plausible. And people, like, like joke when, like, my parents, they're like, you live in your fantasy world, blah, blah, blah. We'll never be in space. And I'm like, saying we'll never be in space, like, in a show in, like, The Expanse is actually the fantasy world. <laughs> Thinking that things are going to stick around it's here and just keep going <laughs> fine. That's the fantasy It's an eventuality. World. It's no, going to happen. Especially considering your your parents are, you know, part of the group that's running the earth into the ground. And we're right. need to expand. To reiterate what you guys have been saying, like, science fiction has always been, you know, envisioning the future almost. And that's what we're going to strive towards. And I feel like sci-fi nowadays is... We've kind of caught up to that point where it's you're just telling a story, but just in a different genre. It's 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 feels less science fiction and more just fiction. You know, yeah. That's it's actually pretty interesting. So I guess we're gonna have to start thinking 
crazier things. Well, it, it was cool, too, because in the show, at least to me, it seemed like they didn't really, you know, there, there was all this stuff that was going on that, to an extent, seemed like, okay, well, this is kind of fantastical, even though, like we said, it's, it's still based, really, in, like, a strong science core, mm-hmm. but they didn't really dwell on it. It wasn't like any of this stuff is like, oh, wow, you know, look at this space station or anything like that. It was so lived in, you know, they really had that kind of Ridley right. Scott, you know, this this yeah, real lived yeah. in, dirty Except the sort Mormon of future. Trip. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. They, they freaking But it's so just... realistic. <laughs> they, they have to do that. I mean, they have to do that with this series. Uh, well, they could have like just made a shitty series and not done that. So I'm not saying they have to do that uh, to take away from the impact of it. But they they're introducing this like bizarre biovirus thing here, so they have to make you feel normalized. Yeah, in the, in the like. Yeah, like, this is true. old space. This is we've been here. This is drippy and wet and dirty and like mundane. They have to make you feel like that for yeah. it not to feel bizarre than just like out of this world bizarre and off putting to, to introduce this biovirus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really good point, Eric. Yeah. Can, can I just point out now that I'm thinking about it though is the one thing that I, I just don't get is. Why does everyone sound Jamaican if you're from the boat? <laughs> because they're a bunch of inbred morons. But you can't <laughs> say that. Oh. So Look, man. That is edited out. <laughs> no. Look, man, I love... We just lost five Jamaican viewers. <laughs> I, no, oh, I'm man. not saying... Alright, let me, let me retract. Let me, let me back up. I'm not saying pause, they did pause, sound Jamaican. Pause and just say what you have to say. I'm not saying they did sound Jamaican. I'm saying they... Sounded like they're a bunch of inbred idiots. Jamaican is what you said. So All right, look up so. look up how dialogues change and look up how language no. changes. It's me. And it's no just one me. is inbred in It's Indiana. me talking out against the Belters. I want nothing more than to see Mars come in and stomp all over that the, the asteroids and the moons and all that. Because honestly, look, I love me some Fred Johnson. I do. I love me some Fred Johnson. Now we're getting into, into story, by the way, and just getting Ben, into... real quick, I just want to ask, like, do you hope Darth Vader wins every time you watch <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, yeah, he's the good guy. Uh, he's the guy. <laughs> he's, trying, he's trying to avenge the destruction of his space. Now, I'm okay, I'm okay with you supporting Mars. <laughs> I'm okay with you supporting Earth. Put, no, yeah, no, no don't support Earth. Earth's the bad guy. Because there's no good guy or bad guy. They're Earth's all being played. They're the all guys. being played. None of those by factions. Earth. No, not by Earth. By well, somebody on Earth. How about that? Well, let's do well, this. By the Earth government. Let's do this. I Would someone like to give a brief kind of story synopsis or primer of what actually happened? Because we're throwing a lot of things out here, but I feel like <laughs> it might be a little bit harder. We already said Space Game of Thrones. <laughs> right, but... <laughs> I, I don't want to skip over, because like, I actually, the Jamaican accent thing makes sense and okay okay i'll get back to it that. wasn't jamaican first of all it didn't sound jamaican it, was, it, it has caribbean true. ties to it and i honestly it's it plays off of the caribbean and the way the caribbean was used like the belters were used like that was like the new Whoa, world okay they were the people who were taken and spread out and used heavily for labor all over the americas and it had to have been right, intentional. It, it, was, it, it was had to have like been. drawn upon like historical. It had to have been because it, we, we, we all, we, we all, we all got that vibe. We, we all did from watching it. I, yeah. I definitely picked up upon some type of Caribbean sort of influence yeah. in whatever accent yeah. they were trying to make up. And like Jamaican is like what I think they focused on for the fact that Jamaica was the first big one to really kick back and try to fight against that. 
realizing like we need to band together and there were a lot of big movements that were treated like the OPA. No, it, it totally, that totally makes sense. And the fact that you know, the, the Caribbean islands were islands and they had these various space stations. That, mm-hmm. that completely makes they sense. They made like a direct connection with the, like the Caribbean. And mm-hmm. so they used that kind of Jamaican accent mixed in with other things. Like There's a lot of good themes in this that, show yeah. that I love. Like it's the Cold War. I, I yeah yeah, yeah. probably my favorite thing about the show. I'm gonna say that every time I say something about the show because <laughs> I love the entire show. I also picked up in the accents. I I kind of put myself into a place of of like almost like a Cajun realm where it's like a blending of two cultures in a way, mm-hmm. uh, like the the Earthers and the and like the Martians. Yeah, kind of like blending into one new culture. But it's interesting because the Belters don't identify as either, you know, they just right, feel like yeah. the, the stepchildren in the middle who are yeah. just, like, miserable. Definitely. It was a good calculated <laughs> move. They can't go for space British. That's been done too much. They can't go for, like, space Russian because then immediately you get these, uh... It's Cold War enough already. You know <laughs> yeah. I mean? the so, right. yeah. I like that the Martians were, like, the South. Like they all like they focus. I say that. No. The I South. Say that. The, the, I the, the troopers. Jamaican, I won't give you the South. <laughs> the troopers. Think of the pilot. He always he always used okay, Southern things. Alex. The troopers house. on the ship all had like Southern. You better buckle up, house. I would I would agree. The Jamos wasn't. The officers didn't Alex. really show the, like the uh, heavy Southern draw, but like all the troopers did. I definitely heard it in the. Uh, the pilot. Yeah, uh, Alex. In, in the the pilot was like space, over space John with that. He's a space trucker. Alex but, was my favorite. But here. that was it. I didn't hear it in anyone else. The, I, fe- I felt like the troopers on the Martian ship had like a southern The guy, The guy that died on their gunship didn't. Well, no, but he was an officer. All like all the officers were kind of withdrawn, but I feel all the troopers kind of had that. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I was just looking for <laughs> the, it. The, the, okay, <laughs> but also like <laughs> Mars is like technologically advanced and like... I, I enlightened and Enlightened. way above Earth. Way above. I wouldn't Earth. say enlightened. Oh, I know. They were very militaristic. They're very militaristic. But they're, they, like... they're way more technologically advanced than Earth is. You don't they know that. You haven't seen, you haven't seen what Earth can do. They've only shown the military prowess of they Mars. Did talk about Fair enough, but they talk about how Mars is more they, technologically they advanced. They did. In war terms. Them. They talk about their warships and stuff being... The point is... Alright, fine. In war terms. But the point is... In that case, there are zero parallels to the South. Because if, if we're talking like Civil War era, I just meant the like South an accent. Like, I felt like they tacked that on Maybe. to like the workers. Is, is there an idea? None of the officers do, so I just. Am I just like, like just imagining this, or is there an idea that that Mars is more uh, dependent on the Belters than Earth is? Or yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. I could definitely right. see they need that. the water. They, they, yeah, they oh, found, they the, water. the water. That's what it is. That was, was like, the important okay. part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Mars that Mars is stepping on the Belters more than Earth is. Okay. And Earth is kind of like, we don't really care. But in reality, they're like, I want to see them all die so we can take it all over. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe not all of Earth, but definitely uh, definitely Christian Avasalrala's boss, who was, uh, anyone remember his name? Yes, I will pull it up for you. Uh, he's definitely the bad guy. I, I, yeah. I'm sure of it at this they point. They painted him as the bad He's, guy. The especially when she so was like... The only thing they give him, the character name is Doyle. Doyle? Doyle. He, was like, he was like the ambassador, like the head ambassador of Earth. And like, when when she brought to his attention in the finale, like, yeah. look what Fred Johnson's saying. He goes, 
Well, that's just bullshit. I mean, come yeah. on. He's <laughs> basically like totally the vice president. Him. Like, oh yeah, we'll fight against him. I'll do this and this. He's yeah. he's definitely, in my opinion, pretty obvious. Yeah. Exiting the first season, he's top of my list as. As who's behind the attack on the Canterbury? Well, really, I, I think it was Miller. Swayed by the lobbyists. I think I think it was Miller. You think it was Joe Miller that attacked the Canterbury? <laughs> 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 was he wearing shoes or not during that? Of course, he was wearing shoes. Like, oh man, I lost my shit when he just saved the day in the I hotel. Was, I because I was so excited for the two storylines <laughs> to, yes. to intersect, and it was like, oh shit, there's all this stuff going on. Everyone's shooting each other, and then it was like. Oh no, he's got a grenade. Whap! Out from behind the corner. <laughs> he just knocks the grenade out of his hand. And I went, yeah! I literally, I clapped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let me actually go back and qualify my clarification, my, qualify my description from earlier. It's Game of Thrones in space, but much more satisfying in terms of fantasy. <laughs> they're like, I hope I see these guys get together in the next five seasons. And they're like, why wait five seasons? What? <laughs> Episode six, they're together. <laughs> oh, I definitely thought one of the two of the characters were going to die in that last episode that oh. were traveling together. I definitely thought... With the radiation poison. Yeah, Holden and Miller. I we don't know. one of them was going to die. We just oh. saw them getting put on the... Well, that's that cures them. Okay, but, okay. but we don't technically know. Okay. One of them could have Spo- lasting effects. Spoiler alert: These are like literally like series long characters. That was a oh, that was a spoiler. Thanks, right. Colin. Huh? That was no. a spoiler. Thank you. Which brings me. How do you not know that? This did. Know. This did look like Ned Stark was a series long character too. Okay. And look what happened to him. Can we talk about another small <laughs> detail of the fact that? <laughs> Sean Another small detail of the fact Sean that... Sean Bean was playing him. You had to have seen it. <laughs> so, the two of them got radiation. An Earther and a Belter. The Belter was coughing up blood within, like, two seconds of this happening. And then, oh, halfway through the episode, finally, the Earther starts coughing yeah, blood up. Wow. It's such, like, a... It just kind of shows the difference of the biology of an Earther versus a Belter. Yeah. It was another detail that I really noticed. So the Earther has a stronger immune system than the Belter? I can see Well, that. no. It's just... Uh, I don't know. Like, they always talk about them having, like, thicker bones and, like, more like yeah. a solid... That's a good point. There has to be something deliberate going on there. Even if it was just, like, young versus old, too. The fact that he That's was, true. Like, a new way... I of... also didn't take into account the young versus old. Well, thing, consider but... the fact that every... The atmosphere in the stations are artificial, so everything that's fed to them is is a very specific uh, like yeah. combination of like air elements. Whereas on Earth, you're exposed to natural like ozone and things like that. Dang, so he grew out in Montana. He's, yeah, he's all set. So maybe they're just they he's were Montana, Alaska. Alaska. They they were teasing at something kind of complex going on there too because. Uh, you're looking at these two characters, uh, and, and, oh, shit, okay, uh, for everybody and for me, uh, the Belter cop, what's his name? Is Miller. Miller. Joe Miller. Joe Miller. And the, the wait, Earther... Wait, wait, sorry. Josephus Miller. Josephus jo- Miller. Josephus. Do you Earth, want the full name? Because I'll give you the full name. And the Earth character, this rebellious sort of young Canterbury Holden. officer. Jim Holden. Jim so, Holden. Okay. So you're looking at these two characters... And you've got this this young guy who's 
who's like being painted as very like, oh, I, I have no idea what's going on. I don't really know anything about the universe. I don't know how to fire a gun. I've never killed anybody. But yet, like, he understands that there's that they were just dosed with radiation. He knows where they need to go in the station. And then you're looking at Joe Miller. He's like, oh, I'm this like streetwise experienced character who's like pushing us through, but he's also like struggling, you know, a lot like physically. He's struggling with uh, with this dose of radiation. Never he, been in space. Yeah, never been in space. Never been outside that station. So they're like just constantly switching back and forth, back and forth, complimenting each other, getting through this situation. Yeah. There's, they're they're making them rely on each other in a very complex way. You're making me so excited for season two now because they're going to be the best team ever. I yeah, love right? seeing the, <laughs> I love seeing the morality uh, switch because it was very apparent through the entire season where one character stood and where the other stood mm -hmm. but seeing them clash like that mm -hmm. and while they were relying on each other at the same time there was a lot of like clashing ideals mm -hmm. that were really interesting yeah just the way that holden was looking at miller through some of those actions that were that were very normal for us to watch and we didn't we didn't flinch at all until you saw oh. holden staring at him what after he shoots two guys and without even without even flinching just starts pulling the armor off yeah, and Holden staring at him like, "Wow, that was such an you know organic well, act for you." Yeah, I think looks at their faces and stuff of like the mm -hmm. dead bodies and like he's like you could tell that he's trying to see them as human beings. Yeah, still. and Miller didn't. Miller's like they were gangsters. They were gonna kill us if we didn't kill them. Yeah, well, really? I think Colin and I commented on that when we watched the last you know three episodes because there was there's just a lot of indiscriminate killing going on. Um, from Miller's character, and it was just kind of like, where did this come from? Whoa, it, you know, I think it, it was the death of the character. Spoiler, a little late. Uh, Julie <laughs> Mao. Yeah, when he finds her dead, because I think he started to. He was in love with her. Oh yeah, he, he was obsessed was. with her. He definitely. Was. And so when he finds her dead, I think that just killed Destroyed a part him. of him. Yeah. Mm. So he's just killing guys indiscriminately. Um, she. No. I was gonna say like I think she was kind of tied into like the whole imagery with the bird where it was hope. Yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah. Searching for her is what brought him to virtue. Like he found like I want to be a good cop. I want to be a better person. Yeah. And he was changing his ways consistently like moving towards that until he finds her dead and then he just immediately drops off and starts shooting people left and right. Not just thinking, I I'm going to get this figured out. I'm going to get vengeance. It's all about that. The, what's his face? Oh, the, yeah, the, guy the guy who, who hurt put his, his partner. Yeah, the guy who like... Uh, rebarred his partner. Rebarred his partner <laughs> to a wall. Oh my god. The oh, guy wow. that he turned down, being able to just beat this guy up and kill yeah, him. It was... He turned it down, mm -hmm. and then after Julie Miles dead, he calls him over to them so he can shoot him in the head. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He risked <laughs> their happened. lives, delays them by like... The thirty seconds or whatever to shoot this guy. Yeah. He could have shot him from a distance. He so wanted basically, to see him shooting him. He wanted this guy to know. So basically, who was Thomas him. Jane was playing the Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've watched everything <laughs> Thomas Jane has done since as a sequel to the Punisher. <laughs> Very similar to what I do with Liam Neeson. <laughs> uh, He's just in one long movie. Everything is a sequel to yes. Schindler's List. <laughs> <laughs> He's back and he's oh, pissed. Um, so. Can we comment on the the lung gravy that they were coughing up? That was I almost I physically gagged at one part. Yeah. When uh, when Julie Ma was in the bathroom and they were actually oh. going through detailing her and she's like crawls into the bathroom. She leans up and she's just like 
Uh, and it was it looked like fucking gravy. It was like <laughs> brown and blue. Most of it was oh, most of, more importantly, can we talk about virus nipples? Because virus nipples, <laughs> virus nipples are the new fetish, and I'm all over that. Line up the reels. I literally can't post this on anything. Why? <laughs> virus I know what I want to talk about. Okay, talk, Jason. Wait, let's pause. Now talk. Okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> no, we're not cutting that out. So I'm going to continue referencing that moment. You know, so ben, we can't cut ben, it out. that might just be the name of the episode. Virus. Right? Virus. It might just be. The, the name virus nipples are the new fetish. Oh, Sheep's pants. Virus. Colon. Virus, virus nipples. nipples. Yeah. I was going to make it so. episode three, remember Seth. <laughs> <laughs> episode three. Okay. Remember Seth. All right, Jason, you've been quiet a lot, so let's give him let's give so, some time. So we can kind of say that The Expanse, uh, you know, we watched these ten episodes. We all watched them together. We all really enjoyed where the series has gone thus far. None of us, as far as I know, have really any background with the books. We know that they're based on a book series, but none of us have really delved I'm into the book series. So none of us really know <coughs> what is next. I know there's a lot of you know established lore now in the series that has, is out there. I'm sure you know the cliffhanger of this series, uh, or season finale, is uh, answered at some point in these books. Remind me what the cliffhanger was? Um... The, I think the sentience of the sentient virus. virus. Oh, it created that. like a human form. Yeah, yeah. yeah now I remember it, and it killed, killed the spy dude. So right. I'm sure that you know that's out there. Um, but for me, I think we can all kind of agree that okay, this is this really complex story that they're telling really well thus far. Um, but my thought is, since we are kind of in, in agreement here, you know, obviously with our previous episodes, we kind of had some disagreements. We kind of talked about this episode thus far has kind of been us talking about what we really liked about the show and all these different layers. Um, what did we not like about the well, show? Honestly, I mean, not a huge list, I don't think, but still worth talking about. What, what maybe aside from the Jamaican accent? Um, well, no. Let, let's go around. Jamaican. Let's go around. I'm not going to say it first because I want to see can, if anyone had the I same issue that I the did. Magnetic boots. Why? It what? drove me nuts that there were certain times in the show that I felt like they just had that noise turned up a little bit too high. <laughs> and it was really nitpicking. It was like it was like okay, guys, don't <laughs> worry. Man, the reason nobody's hair is floating right now is because we have these magnetic boots on. I feel well, like they had helmets on when they had magnetic boots on. No, they had magnetic boots in the ship, like the majority the of the time. Like Julie Mao would like tie her hair back, and then you would hear good dunk, good dunk when she walked for like a few minutes. It was almost like they were trying to drive it home that she does have something to connect her down. That's why she's not floating anymore. I know you just saw her float, but now she's walking. I felt like it was turned up almost to try to drive that home. And it drove me nuts because they did it in like two or three it scenes. Never bothered okay. me. I, so Matt didn't oh, like the magnetic boots. I liked it at times, yeah, but okay. I just felt like they were trying I, to, they overdid it at times. Creators should yeah. be really happy Honestly, with that says nitpicky. There's a lot of, I wish there was things that I could say that I didn't like about this show, but I love this show. I guess the one thing that really comes to mind is the casting choice for Holden. Uh, 
damn you, Tony. I can't get behind that. No, guy. this is good though. That's why I brought this up because now we have at least three people that had the same issue with the show. Well, you know, thing about the show is good. I just cannot get behind why the actor that plays Jim Holden. You know, Jim know. Holden is not a likable guy. I do not care for that actor. I like him. Jim Holden is played by Stephen Strait, yeah. who's the same man who played War and Peace in the movie Sky High. <laughs> so let's think about that now and wonder why we were given this guy to play our lead character in the expanse well i don't well, think you're supposed to like jim holden no. and i hope have... not because i don't like jim well holden. no but they set it up for a guy that you don't like i mean <laughs> this this is somebody who but is, even the actor I he's jim well, holden but... is a weak stick he really really is now can jim holden be worth something as the show goes on I think he I, could. Yeah, absolutely. But at, as he is, and maybe maybe that kind of was hinted at towards the end. He did become more of a leader during, towards the end, which was good. And they actually recognized him as captain. But throughout the season, dude, that guy sucked. And I was like, I want him to die. Alex is my favorite character in the whole show, next to Thomas Jane. He just looks so sickly. Well, well, Alex, they, they whitewashed him. Alex is actually Indian. Believe it or not. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. He doesn't look Indian at all in the show. I, yes, I actually yes. I thought he, he looked does. very Indian. Oh. And I oh. enjoyed I actually wrote a note down. I don't down. think he looked Indian at all. I wrote a note down that I enjoyed after specifically it's something I've been paying attention to since um that uh Aziz Ansari series that was on Netflix. Yeah. So um, the guy's name is Cass Anbar. Yeah. That plays Alex. Sent yeah, I knew that. He just didn't look Indian to me in the show. He really? looked he looked especially pale. I think the accent was beyond, well beyond beyond that that skit all I, that's I focus on that now. That's like my first thought when a character of like Indian descent, you know, has a particular accent or not. And him having a southern accent in the accent, show I think it was really interesting to me. In Keep talking, I'm sorry. I just thought it was really interesting. Like I, I, I enjoyed after hearing these Aziz and Sari skit. Like I enjoyed seeing an Indian actor, <laughs> an Indian actor not playing a stereotypical yeah. Indian. We hear you, but you're taking forever to get to that point. <laughs> no, it's because no one was because everyone was fucking talking. The whole time. You know, whatever though. I love you. No one was talking. <laughs> do you want to do you want to hug me, Eric? Are you did sure? You, did you have any issues with the series um, thus far, or anything that bothered you? You know, my only issue kind of eroded really quickly. My only issue with the show was that the the original tension that they set up between the Belters and Earth and Mars seemed really simplistic, and I was like, "All right, here we go again." And then they very quickly, but they very quickly dispelled that, like, by, like, the third episode. I mean, I guess that's not very quickly. That's three whole oh, episodes. But us. episode three, they, 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 it's kind of like they juked you, you know? They were like, okay, this is going to be a very stereotypical sci-fi show, and we're going to just present the, the modern-day issues going on, uh, you know, with these three different factions out in space. And then they were like, okay, here's, like, these crazy bioluminescent space alien thing and you don't know who's controlling who and all the groups are being manipulated and so it evolved out of that really quickly but that was a big problem for me at yeah. the beginning of the series I was worried this was going to be very derivative sort of and then they blow the hell out of a ship <laughs> you're like there's, whoa <laughs> there's two things that I wanted to raise that I thought would actually come up in our discussion and they mm. didn't so I'm going to say them 
Um, the first thing would be I really thought it was it was interesting. At least what grabbed me from the show right away was just how different the the, the genre shifts and the, the tone was because. As this like the season goes on and goes on, I feel like it gets tighter and tighter as you mm-hmm. kind of, you know, they That's establish all the players, they establish the plot. By the time you get to, to episode seven, it, it's a really tightly packed story. It's really dense, you know, mm-hmm. but it's really direct. You know, you can follow it a lot, a lot more easily. I felt, especially in like the first three or four episodes, it grabbed me right away. But it was so you know, just kind of dispersed. It was really, okay, who's this person? What's the OPA? What's going on? You know, I had to almost do a little bit of research after the fact, you know, see, okay, who are all these different factions? But I thought it was interesting that you've got this space opera taking place with, you know, uh, Holden and the crew and everything else. And then you've got this noir police procedural going on with Thomas Jane's character. And it was really interesting that they kind of kept those largely separate in the the Game of Thrones sort of mold, like we're talking about, up up until like the midway point of the season, when they started kind of diverging them, or converging them, and I thought it was just interesting that they were able to do that so effectively because you really don't see many other shows doing that to that level. Right. So that was kind of yeah. cool to follow. What was the second thing? I mixed <laughs> them together. Oh. <laughs> there were you know, two things in there. Well, you bring up okay. an interesting point though, because you mentioned how like we had three, we started with three stories. Through those stories merged. Now we have room for a third story, uh, and I really hope it's Mars. I really hope we get to go to Mars. I, they will. Yes. They, they will. They will service you. They will get you Mars. Don't worry. <laughs> sure. I'm, 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 I'm even sure I'm that we'll up. see it in season two. Now, honestly, this is what I want to bring up. And when I was pitching this show to you guys, trying to get you guys to watch it, I said this is the best thing to happen to sci-fi in the last ten years, probably since Battlestar Galactica. Definitely, I would. Now, agree. did you notice? As you're watching the show, there are so many things alluding to other other sci-fi franchises. There was a point where I was like, when they're on uh, on the, the station that Miller is on, I Siri. was like, Siri, that's it. I was like, this is, I feel like I'm on the Citadel in Mass Effect. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then there's another point where the dude's arm is floating away. I was like, that's literally the logo Dead for Space. Dead Space right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then with Mars, I was like, this feels very Battlestar Galactica. Just the tones, the way yeah. they set everything. I love this show because they're just, it's like an entire collaboration of yeah. just all these various types of sci-fi, and I think that's what they wanted to do. It's literally like a love letter to sci-fi. Yeah, the show I can see that. But it's also, like saying you're not all, like none of you are wrong, you're just focusing on one aspect, like it's a whole universe yeah. of these things. Yeah, it, every, it's just giving the nod to everyone, and I, and I feel like uh, the way the directors and the writers kind of planned it out was... There was a quote by uh, the writers, and they had said that um, basically sci-fi stopped at with Ridley Scott and Aliens. Like, it stopped there. And everything after that, that was the bar. Every sci-fi franchise tried to meet that. And they were trying to do something a little different here. I don't know how well they did it, because there was a lot of... When they get into that sci-fi horror in the show, they get into it. Like, yeah. It's pretty good. I'm on the edge of my seat, and I oh, yeah, don't sit on the edge of my seat. No, I love the virus it. is the lighting. Awful, it's horrifying. Well, Everything is lit from the helmets. Oh, it's so good. But but that's the thing too, and I think we talked about that because Colin and I watched a, a lot of the episodes together. Is is just those shifts? You know, it 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 had moments where we said it's just really beautiful 
hard sci-fi where it almost reminded me of like you know a movie like Moon or something like that where just the way it was shot and the way that they focused on you know different sort of like scientific concepts or or uh, the way the future might be and then as you go on like you said you've got this police drama going on and then you have moments where it's it, it is it's almost a horror show I mean there's yeah. moments of you know nothing that would would be like shocking necessarily but they almost kind of go into some body horror and it's kind of like you know that alien mold yeah, yeah. and you get some of that and it's cool just that they literally brought the whole gamut of science fiction from the last 30 years mm-hmm. together in 10 episodes i think it's really impressive so that, that's what really has me on board now for this next season when it finally does come out uh, what are they going to do now? I, they've you know tentatively. I think they're looking at a January 2017 yeah. release, Whoa, which will be the true. same month Star Trek comes out. We're gonna have a busy month, guys, because I'm expecting uh, I'm expecting a podcast episode for both of those shows. So, <laughs> so my only complaint uh, has potentially faded since we've started talking, actually, um, <clears throat> because I I'm considering that it might be a purposeful thing. So. The only part of the show that I like, the dialogue in the show is so organic and comfortable. It was really good writing, except for I felt the Earth storyline, where they're following, uh, they're following that woman going, you know, place to place, trying to piece things together and like figure everything out. So the- her dialogue all seemed very scripted and written, whereas a lot of the other dialogue in the show felt really comfortable mm-hmm. to me. But but I almost think that was on purpose. I'm starting to like as we've been talking. I feel like maybe they they all we've seen of Mars so far is very military oriented. All we've seen of Earth so far is very political, and all we've seen of the Belt seems so like on the street. Mm. In, in I I hate to tell you, but that's her style. I, I've seen I've seen her through the ages, and she's so always, you're talking about Soraya Well, that doesn't. Yeah. But that she's they could have really, chosen her. She's a brilliant actress. I, I, I really like her. Oh, she's incredible. She seems super she was, political. She was kind though. of like uh, it is a little off topic, but she was the best thing to happen to 24 in a long time. Like 24 was starting to stagnate, and then they brought her on as a villain. And you had no idea she was the villain, and she like turns up as a villain, and you're like, whoa. And, Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's like season four, I and think, if you haven't watched it, like, I think okay. her. Uh, sometimes her voice, that uh, that ashtray, smoky voice, like yeah. sometimes it's really soothing, and I'm like, ooh. But other times I'm just like, good lord, woman, you need to <laughs> get like a halls or something. <laughs> Your voice just sounds so dry. I'm but, with you though, Mark. Like that cadence, it yeah. gave it a feel of everything is so political and scripted, and you only say what you need to say. You're not going to just talk. It's you have a set. It was particularly in that message. scene where she goes to visit Holden's mother. Normally, um, I don't open up with that one. <laughs> <laughs> like, that line was good. They're that super stereotypical. We're gonna lead with the the bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. All right, cut the bullshit. Like that line that's been in, in like every other, every other <laughs> thing that's ever been written. All right, just, I, just speak your mind, Mark. Cut the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I I did like her character though because I felt like, from an emotional standpoint, even though I think her storyline. And the Earth storyline was my least favorite of the the two or three that were going on. Yeah, um, it did really kind of show the gravity of 
the decisions she was making because she was playing everybody, but she lost a lot. Yeah. Just in the course of, you know, how however, you know, many days yeah. or however many weeks or whatever that that first season takes place. Like, you know, yeah. she I, I think that's starting to weigh on her, and whereas she was always the consummate politician, mm-hmm. I think at the end of the season she's a little bit shaken and maybe ready to... I won't call her a politician. She, like, it's like she's running the CIA. Like, she's conducting tortures. Well, she's, it's a, I mean, it's like a game for her, though. though. It's a game for her. You can, you can definitely tell. I mean, they... They basically kind of show that she... She's playing less the political game and more the espionage game is what she's playing. Like, it's... Kind of. She plays a surprisingly complex character, really added to uh, the impact of what she's doing, that she's so willing to die, too, for, like, what she's doing at the end. She basically says, like, I'll be safe for a little while, and then I'm, I'm, I'm done. You know, like, I can play this game for a little while, mm-hmm. but I'll keep myself alive. That, that really has a lot of gravitas to, like, everything that she's done and said and, and all of her actions, even though she seems so evil and duplicitous well, at the beginning. Another spoiler, just saying. I'm going to say it anytime, just in case you haven't gotten this far. But she, when she's talking with Holden's mother, she says, uh, like, you know, my son was a Marine. He died. So maybe she is so, like, diehard for the United Nations and for Earth is because mm-hmm. her son gave his life for it yeah and she wanted him to join the marines you know so he could start his political career someday mm-hmm. and he died doing it so now she's just like stuck doing it for the rest of her life you know he died so she's gonna have to die doing it too she can't quit otherwise that makes it seem like her son died for nothing yeah mm-hmm. she was so she will die yeah. doing this because if, if that actually happened him. but it, it kind of seems like that's a true All story right. I, I would like to say one thing and then start our final topic, maybe. Okay. So, I'm I'm really impressed with how much character building one they did with one line in in near the end of the season, where so Miller shows up to uh, the new the new space station, and he's interacting with that other cop that he's got you know a past with and everything. And the other cop says, and where's my damn hat? <laughs> yes. And I was like, damn, that's like... There's a whole story there. That's yeah. There's so much in that when you just get this flash, this instant flash of years of their lives together. You know? And that you could just picture the hat that he hung up sitting yeah. in his apartment. I would, that one that's line right, so, was so weighted. Now, and how the hat almost seemed to represent the same thing for both of them. Yeah. And why they both left it when they left series. Yeah. Now, would you have uh, been happier if it was like wearing my damn sandals? <laughs> Where are my Birkenstocks, guys? You know what? If we're not going to take this seriously, like. Dude, <laughs> Birkenstocks are serious! Um, okay, so the last thing, that the, the last thing I want to talk about is. That cork. Where, where I think the they're kind of going to lead with this. Um, they, they had said, I wrote down this line that they said um, the guy who was drawing. The vials out of uh, Julie Mao's body. Dresden. Uh, he said, "Mad scientist." He was talking about um, somebody calls him Dresden. Talking to the father, and he's he's talking to the other guy, and he says, "She'll make her father very proud. She's going to save us all." Oh, she's like, an incubator, right? So yeah, so it seems like they're using. I mean, they they kind of continued on with the rest of the episode after I had focused on that line so much kind of furthering on the whole 
using them as an experiment in a petri dish mm-hmm. but it's almost like they I, it seems like they kind of discovered this and they're trying to like make this whole thing blow up and then use that as an experiment to find kind of like a virus for like a uh, uh, something to, to like fight back against it in case it ever becomes an issue like is that no I think no. I, I think there's some sort of other threat I, I did air quotes I think there's some sort of like quote unquote threat that um, they think is coming or that like they think like maybe maybe Earth thinks that like Mars is going to actually wipe everyone out when in fact Mars who I who I'm convinced are the true good guys of this story are like we don't really want to wipe anyone out we think Earth's going to wipe us out so Earth's sitting there like oh Mars is going to kill us this this virus is going to save lives she's just saved the world because she died. Like that's what I think is happening in that. In that. Too. Exactly, they're they're going to get Mars before Mars gets them at the end of the day. In so my opinion, I don't think there's that's any, my speculation. I don't think there's any good guys except for you, like your main character of like the Rasenante. Well, it's game, it's, it's see, game of Thrones. They're all it's, you pick your sides. Something I think you pick see, your sides. I took it less like a larger scale and more of a he's a scientist who they've been working on something. And they thought they lost it for a minute, but she incubated this and kept it from the destroyed ship that oh, they had lost. Yeah. I took it as like from like he's a scientist being like, "Oh my god, we almost lost all of this work. You saved yeah, this all. Like you saved this. That's, that's what I took right it as. Mm-hmm. So I think they are inciting all of this chaos just so they can destroy an entire station." use them as an experiment and nobody would bat an eye because it was probably just lost in the early conflict of this war. They even said, like, we're starting this war. Or, not they said that, but that's, I think maybe it was Miller was saying, like, yeah. they're literally starting this war just so they can cover up this experiment on the station. Yep, exactly. So I, so I was taking it more as, like, this is a private company that's trying to develop something to take control and expand their power evil star and they're doing it in a way that even if it fails they can get away with it and just back the fuck out is that the expanse well the the tagline of the show is they went too far right did we go too far out into space whoa is it or no or morally they went too far yeah it is that's the tagline we went too far I think it's we actually Wow, I actually didn't. Or did knowing that actually changes a lot because that makes it sound almost like they went further out in the galaxy and found something. Well, they did. They're messing with it. They passed the belt to go find that. That was where did they get the? Does anyone remember where they got it? They were just talking about it's on the Phoebe station, which is a Martian. Yeah, they they say something about uh, and the Anubis uh, goes to Phoebe. Phoebe. Phoebe Revelation. Which we all know now Phoebe was destroyed by the Anubis ship, which is a stealth ship that stuck up on the station, stole the info, info and destroyed it, mm-hmm. which is what they kind of implied. It does. Seem, so we don't know if they... Uh, the, the, the tagline is, we've gone too far. We've gone too far. It does Dang. seem like all the Martians, no matter what uh, group, they, they, they like subgroup, they approach the Martians from, like whether it be the scientists, the military, civilians, they're all very. Cons- they all seem like they have some idea of something else deeper going well, the, the on. The scientists are with. Earth. What's they're, that? The scientists are from Earth. No, no, they're they're scientists. They're Martian. I, I mean, yeah, there are some like Earth scientists, but there are Martian <coughs> scientists as well who like are concerned with what's going on 
Oh, I thought you were talking about I'm the just ones saying that, that like, like that seem to be incubating the. No, no, and I'm saying they're, they're and it just seems like they're all concerned. So like, there's something going on that maybe there is. They're they are trying to save everybody from something specific. Not necessarily like the Martians as a whole, but like some. Yeah. You know. And what I think okay. is interesting is that those answers or some of them are are out there. We just don't know because we're watching this show, and I think at least Colin and I have the plan to read the books concurrently oh, yeah. with the seasons of the show. Yeah, I'm not going past what the show's. Co- we're not going to go past them, <laughs> but it's like I'm sure a lot of these answers that we're kind of talking about are, are out there, and people that are maybe even listening to this podcast know already. Um, but what if they pull a Game of Thrones and the book answers more questions that the Expanse Jews are still leave till season two? Uh, do you have two writers doing this? They're gonna keep. Uh, you have two writers on Game of Thrones. Oh, like on the books. The books. It's it's oh. it's it's two writers under one. Well, I mean, what if I'm just mean like what if the TV decides to leave stuff out of the books to save for future seasons? Right. I don't think, Which they. I, I mean, they could. I don't think they'll do it. That's right. Like, I, don't, I don't. I don't want to pick up a is, book is George on R. series. George R. R. Martin well, literally packs so much into his book that you literally cannot put that all on TV. You no. cannot. They have to cut out characters, entire plot lines of the books, just because it's too much. It's you'd, the you'd same. You have to have fifteen yeah. to sixteen seasons. Just it's to the same it with any yeah. with any adaptation to to film or television. Yeah. Like there's, it, that's always my go to is to see to see the live action first, and then you can, like, maybe maybe visual. things won't be at like certain things won't be a big surprise in the in the books. But you get so much more depth to the universe. Oh, yeah. You use them as like yeah. extended scenes. Yeah, I watched exactly. I watched all of Game of Thrones up to this point before season six came out, and then I went and read all the books, and I love it so much more than the show. There's so much more detail. There's so much more to the world. Than exactly. Not so if you had the read them first huge. and then watched the show, you feel like you're missing something. Yeah. But now you just feel like, wow, that was so good, and then I get more on top of that. It's the same, but there's more to it, you know? Yeah, for me, I just, you know, I, I like TV more than books, just because that's what I want to do with my life. Books are cool, but TV is better, in my opinion. <laughs> but TV, TV will go away someday. No. But, uh... Written word will still Netflix be is forever. Um, <laughs> but I, 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 I like to read still. I just don't ever want to, like, if I start a TV show without ever, ever having read the source material... I won't read the source material until it says the series finale of this show. Mm. Like, I won't read Game of Thrones until Game of Thrones hits its series finale. Well, it's interesting because I can do that because the, the show literally went past the books. So I was like, well, now's a good time to read them because yeah. they've covered everything that they but, want to cover in those books. But once again, what if they so decide to pull something else? We're twirling our fingers. I don't know what it means. Oh, I twirling our fingers. Oh, yeah. We're talking about Game of Thrones now. Forget the true. mayo. Just oh, wow. It's very true. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but we were using, we, in, in fairness, for those who are listening and going, why are they talking about Game of Thrones? It was as a, a, a parallel. For it is. It's, it's, a good, it's a good comparison. <laughs> it's a because, solid book series yeah. that was turned into a show. And then a solid book series turned into a show. Yeah, exactly. That's all. We're not, we're not totally getting um, into the topic. No. All right, so overall, I think we all loved the show The Expanse. Definitely. Uh, I honestly, if you listen to this and you haven't watched the show, first off, you're an idiot. But you should probably go watch the show. It's really good. Um, I'm really looking forward to the next season, which comes out in 2017. 
It's so fun. Is there anything, any last minute things people want to say or? Yeah, I'm really bothered by Mark's pants. I love Mark's pants. Like, I don't know what's happening. I don't I'm know. Pretty if sure me and Mark shop at the same store or something. They're denim. Are they denim? Because they're way okay. they're really shiny. <laughs> so they're a machine. <laughs> There's if you guys sheet. would like to add to discussion, feel free to email us at sci-fi-cross-sections at gmail.com. We would again? love to talk with you all. Uh, one of us will read your email, and if we think that it's worthy enough, we'll bring it up in our next episode. We'll give it a few minutes to kind of go back to the, this discussion. We should get a Twitter and join the 21st century. We should get a Twitter. <laughs> But I don't. Know. I don't even like the email. I think we should have people write to us. <laughs> <laughs> P.O. box, but only only if it can be sent on horseback. Yeah, you know, none of that USPS shit. Dearest sci-fi cross section, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just been a long winter. Paul <laughs> <laughs> Revere's ghost will personally. How did you fare during us. the winter months? <laughs> <laughs> Now that spring approaches, I feel... <laughs> um, no, but yeah. Sci-fi I await co- your correspondence. Sci-fi cross-sections. Oh, God. cross-sections at gmail.com. Uh, write to us, and Eric will personally read it. and Centrally. Centrally. He's, He's going to read it out loud. Eric's got a nice voice, too. <laughs> I like to listen to Eric. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, alright, thank you Extended. for sitting through this nonsense for a, a third episode at this point. So, yeah. See you next time. Bye! Bye! Bye. 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 Bye.